Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of the Upping Your Game podcast powered by TouchPlan. I'm your host, George Hunt. So I'm excited to bring this episode to you all because it talks about one of my favorite topics, which is bottlenecks. While some of you listening might be used to looking for bottlenecks in your work, I don't think that I'm going out on a limb when I say that it's not necessarily the norm throughout the design and construction industry. This is one of those things that if we all gave some more deliberate focus, I think that it could take our project to the next level and really produce some amazing results. So my guest today is Clark Ching, aka The Bottleneck Guy. Clark is the author of several books. He's an expert in agile and the theory of constraints. And I've asked Clark to join me to talk about his book, The Bottleneck Rules. Primarily, we talk through some of the basics behind the theory of constraints, uh, the focus formula, which he introduces in his book, and we try to tie it all back to some of the work that we see every day. While I know that these ideas might be new to you and seem like they won't apply to you or your work, trust me when I say that at a high level, you can apply these principles to work with anything. I highly recommend that if you're interested in finding hidden bottlenecks that are slowing you down, grab Clark's book and give it a read. In fact, as you'll hear towards the end, Clark has offered to give a free copy of his book to anyone listening and is interested. Um, It's a no-brainer in my eyes, and as I've already said, I think that this can really up your game and bring it to the next level. So have a listen, connect with us out there on social media and start a conversation, and be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of our upcoming content. Enjoy. Very excited to have on today Clark Cheng, the bottleneck man himself. you know, author, theory of constraints expert, if you will. Um, so Clark, thank you so much for joining from all the way across the world, really. I mean, what are we, 16 hours apart here? So. I think we are. Hello, George. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, I'm in uh, Nelson, which is at the top of the South Island in New Zealand. Perfect. Uh, thanks Perfect. to the internet. Um, we're in the future. Uh, no, no, no. Thanks to the internet, we can talk, but we're on different days even. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we're exactly. in the future. So welcome to the future. It's very sunny here today. Great. Well, it's um, where I am just north of the city of Boston on the east coast of the United States. Uh, we just got a bunch of snow. So oh. it's probably uh, quite the opposite of where you are. I think totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. I know um, I have friends who are uh, in, in Boston and I know you, you, you get serious proper snow there. Yes. Yeah, we do. Uh, this is actually this is the first the heavy one for the year. So buckled up. It's all right. Getting it, getting used to it for the season already, Excellent. but not cool. quite sick of it yet. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So as I mentioned, you know, thanks so much for jumping in. I think we're going to have a great conversation here about, you know, theory constraints in general and bottlenecks and the focus formula. Um, but before we get into all of that, can you just give us a little background on you, kind of your your journey, if you will, your background for those who are listening who might not know who Clark Cheng is. Okay, uh, so I'm at, at heart, I'm a computer scientist uh, who left 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 that world, um, uh, and, and one day it kind of, kind of happened by accident when I got asked to start managing a project um, r- rather than uh, writing the code for it. Many, many, many many years ago now and that kind of led me away from that you know that deep techie uh world into management and mm. uh very early on I was just really lucky uh to to, to read um the goal uh Ellie Goldratt's book uh the goal which is 
the, the first uh, theory of constraints book. Um, and in, in many ways, for a lot of people, it's the, the theory of constraints Bible. It's, it's, a, it's a novel. It's, um, it's actually really still, still, still quite good to read. It, it, it's about 40 years old, and it's just one of those things that your eyes just light up uh, because it's, it's, it's told as a reasonably well-written story, and you get to the end of it, and you've learned a lot, but you're not entirely sure what you've learned. But the key thing in it is that you learn about bottlenecks, um, that, that's the, the key idea of it. But it's got a lot about finance and decision making and sales. It's, it's got, got a whole lot hidden in there that you might not see the first, second, or third time around. So, so that, that, that's my background: computer scientist, and then uh, I pulled into management, and uh, then I discovered the goal. And then um, over time, uh, I managed to combine the theory of constraints uh, with my computer science background, you know, my techie background, mm -hmm. uh, when Agile came out. Um, and so yeah. agile and software development arena, I was there in the, in the early days, uh, um, almost 20 years ago now. And for me, that was kind of really when the light bulbs come on, when the, 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 the stuff that, you know, all of your listeners are really interested in, in uh, construction, um, yeah. lean, the quality stuff, uh, bottlenecks, you know, um, all of those uh, really, really interesting processy kind of business things. Uh, no one had really applied that to software uh, previously, um, sure. or at least not on, on a grand scale. And when the Agile movement came out, it got really, really close to it. Uh, it applied effectively lean, took those principles, applied them to software development. And then I spent the last 20 years adding TOC onto that. Um, and what, what I mean by adding on is that you still do Agile software development, just as yep. you guys, you still do uh, construction, um, yep. but then uh, on top of that, added the bottleneck stuff and the finance stuff um, and the project management stuff that came from, um, uh, the, the, you know, what I read in the Goal and, and Goldratt's other books, and then I had to tweak them. And I think this is what a lot of people mistake is that you 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 take the um, what you want to do is you want to take the the principles and the ideas and the concepts that you get. Uh, and then um, apply them, but but take into account that you're in a different area. So if you take stuff yeah. from manufacturing, apply it to construction, it, it's going to be the same, but different. You, yes. you know, um, yep. it might be a shade of blue, uh, but um, in one place it's going to be teal, and then the other place it's going to be navy. Um, yep. uh, so you've got to be careful about how you, you take ideas and, and paste them across. And, and that's really what I've spent the last time, uh, last to 20 or more years since I, um, 25 years actually since I started doing TOC, uh, is, is trying to figure out how to simplify it, take the stuff from manufacturing, um, where it came from, and then do two things. One is apply it to software development, um, which is my, you know, my homeland, I guess you'd say. And the other bit is just to, to simplify it and, and make it more accessible for all sorts of people. Um, and that's where the bottleneck rules uh, came from. It was kind of like the idea of how can I take the goal uh, which is 400 pages, um, yeah. you know, based in a 1970s factory, uh, and make it accessible to people who work in hospitals or shops or, uh, or factories or software development or anywhere. And, and that, that was yeah. what I tried to do. How do I um, take the core idea bottlenecks and just make it accessible? Yeah. No, I, and it absolutely is accessible. I mean, I think I, I've read it through, and, and like I've said, it's other colleagues of mine in the industry have read it as well, and I think it does a very good job of kind of simplifying it quite a bit you know and getting the core out there so people understand it um i know the bottleneck rules is just one of the books you have now how many books do you have in total that you have written uh technically i have six 
Um, okay. But uh, I need, uh, let's see, I've got uh, Rolling Rocks Downhill, which is yep. uh, a business novel. That's my favorite uh, book. It's, it is a business novel. It's, it, according to the reviews, it's a really um, good book to read. It, it's uh, agile and TOC. It's but but. But, but you're, it's not one of those ones you pick it up and get the ideas. You have to read the story through, like with the goal, uh, yep. and then get to the end of it and go, oh, wow, I feel like I'm a lot wiser now. And I quite like the characters, but I'm going to have to do a bit more thinking for my, my myself. So yep. uh, that's Rolling Rocks Downhill. Uh, the Bottleneck Rules um, uh, is the one that we're going to talk mostly about today. Corkscrew Solutions for anyone who's heard of integrative thinking um, or if they've done a little bit of study of the theory constraints and learned about Ellie Goldratt's evaporating cloud technique, I've taken that and done the same kind of treatment as I did with the bottleneck rules. I've just taken uh, that approach of uh, solving problems and not taking sides on um, a dilemma, but trying to get the best out of both worlds when you're faced with a dilemma, um, which we all do instinctively. Um, and yes. I've just, on hard problems, we 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 don't. So I, I, the 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 corkscrew solutions book it just sort of takes it down, just steps step by step takes you through and shows you how to solve hard problems or in, impossible problems. Um, sure. uh, there's uh, rocks into gold, which is was my first attempt at uh, a book, very small uh, uh, book, and it explains a lot of the economics of agile software development, but as a really really simple story, not not nearly as well written as I would like. Uh, I have another one there, which is an interview I did with Ellie Goldratt. Um, it was one of the few public interviews uh, I did with him. Uh, and that's on, um, people can read that for free, but it's on Amazon as well. And, and that's yep. fascinating if you're really into theory constraints uh, and you want to go through. I was really just the vehicle for getting his words out. Uh, and sure. there. uh, there's another secret book, which I can't tell you about. Um, uh, okay. And there's another one that's uh, in the process of being written. Um, and it's called Cash Cows Make the Best Burgers. Um, and, Great. Okay. and it's about using all this stuff that we like uh, to make money. And, and the, really, the, the really short version of it is, is we use all of these lovely techniques, uh, mm -hmm. you know, all of these clever things to do, and, and they're right. Um, uh, and, and they're really brilliant and we love them and they're fascinating. Um, but there's a difference um, between choosing to use them to make money um, and yep. not. And if you make that deliberate choice, you, you actually do things uh, differently. And it can be quite hard because it involves making some hard decisions. Um, and this book is about making those hard decisions. So cash cows uh, make the best burgers. And, and what, what, this isn't about being awful to people and making them work harder and beating them up. It's about being clever um, and, and, and using that cleverness to engineer profits um, rather than engineer uh, software or, or, or to build um buildings uh it's just about going what are we trying to achieve we're trying to make money how do we do that with about without being awful to people um and, and just making a nice work environment um and the, the answer is we, we think and then we make some hard decisions and we implement them in a way um that people like yeah so right. so that i think they added up to six <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's great that's really interesting I'll, I'll look forward to uh to that coming out here soon and, and giving it a read then um <laughs> yeah um so that's awesome that's great that's a nice great background um on you and you know how you kind of got to where you're at now so before we get into you know the the main topic to talk about here is something i always ask folks to do is give us one of your most memorable learning moments from your career uh to to share with our listeners 
Okay, actually, I'll give you one that it, so it just popped into my head, um, and it's tied to the the, the cash cows idea. Um, mm -hmm. Nearly thirty years ago, when I first started uh, working in a credit card software development team for credit cards in a bank, yeah, uh, we um, we were, we had code that was older than we were um, than than I was. The code was twenty five years old, and I was twenty two at the time, and they were just going through the process of rewriting it in a more modern. Uh, programming language, which was which was a huge uh, undertaking, uh, and and that was sort of underway. And I was in the team that was looking after the old code. And one of the well, the the manager came to me and said, "Hey, look, we we've got this stuff here. We want to put it in." And it did this clever fuzzy logic kind of stuff with credit scores um, for credit card payments, and it was good at detecting fraud. And he says, "We want okay. to put this in now um, in the old system." And I looked and goes, "Well, that's about three or four months worth of work." He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, why, why don't we just leave it to, and put it just in the new system, you know, when it comes out in a year or so's time? Uh, and he said, uh, because that might feel like it's more efficient for you, uh, because you'll only have to do it once, um, but in the intervening year, uh, that will make us $20 million extra profit if we put it in now. So what he was saying is we would actually do something twice, which sounds really uh, counterintuitive and unproductive, um, but it would actually make them a lot more money. So ah, that, that, okay. that's just one of those little ideas. You go, that that, that makes no sense when you're a programmer. Um, yeah. Uh, but when you look at it, you go, and if you go, well, our, our job is to engineer cash flow uh, to make to make more money. Um, we we make quite different um, decisions. Uh, yeah. And once you explain that, that made perfect sense. Um, but it still did annoy me that we had to do it twice. So. Sure. Right. But yeah, you gotta you gotta take a look at the big picture, right? See the forest yeah, through the yeah. trees kind of a thing to be able to realize that, you know, you're you're there to make money. Even yeah, and even commercial productivity is, yeah. is different from um technical productivity. Uh, right. yeah. So yeah, anyway, that, that's just a little one of those little things that makes you think slightly differently. Wow. No, that's great. I love that story. Um, because it is. It, it's great. It's the yeah, I'm trying to think now if I've ever been in a situation like that where I'm like, why the hell are we doing this? I don't know if we ever got in. I ever got into a conversation with someone enough to say like, oh, it's because it's going to make us money now. Like most of the times when I'm doing something, it's it was probably because the person was just trying to give me something to do, you know. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, but no, thank you for that. I, I think it's great is it's sharing okay. all sharing learning moments that we've had throughout you know our careers with everybody. Um, because it's important to remember that we've all learned and came from somewhere, right? Is we had to learn learn our way to to where we are now. Um, so that kind of brings us to our topic. I think I wanted to talk with you today is TOC, right? Theory constraints, bottlenecks, focus fo focus formula. Um, so for the audience who's listening, you know, some might be familiar with theory constraints and bottlenecks. Some might not be. Can you just give us a real quick primer, um, if you will, about what's the general premise behind theory of constraints? Right. Okay. So it, it's worth with, with the theory of constraints. For a long time, it existed, but it didn't have that horrible, um, sleepy, uh, uh, sleep-inducing name, theory of constraints. Um, sure. It, it, before it did that, it was um, when it became publicly known. It had a bunch of different names. It was a. Um, it started out as an algorithm for managing software uh, sorry managing factories um and it was a it was a scheduling algorithm and the scheduling algorithm was around the idea that inside a factory you go and look in the factory uh you'll find that there's one uh bottleneck r resource one one machine uh that's the slowest 
uh, machine. Uh, and if you try and run faster than that, your system can't run faster because it's it, it, it's the slowest. And if you've ever been stuck up a you know a, a mountain, um, a road going up a mountain behind a, a slow uh, truck or something like that, and it's just in front of you or in front of a tractor, and you've got a big tailback of cars, you just look and go, well, you know, that, that's the equivalent um, yeah. uh, of a bottleneck. And inside of any factory, there's, there's going to be one of those. Um, so it started out as, as an algorithm to manage factories um, by finding the one weakest link, you might say, and then there's a sensible way of um, one of, of of managing the factory around that so that it gets the most output um, and then uh, also around improving it by going well that's the slowest um, we need to make sure that everyone slows down uh, and then we'll try and speed it up and then um, the whole factory will go faster yeah so so, so that that's its origins and that um, that then became the book The Goal, uh, and Ellie Goldratt wrote that book specifically because when he was busy trying to sell his software algorithm uh, to the GMs and the like, uh, uh, the early adopters would get it, but it was very, very expensive purchase for them. Um, and then when they went to um, uh, uh, the, the when the the, the non-early adopters, the, the more pragmatic people, um, went went to buy it, they go and uh, ask their finance people to to sign off a purchase order for you know a, a really large uh, invoice for the software. And yep. the finance people would look at it and go, oh, no, we've heard about this. Um, the only way you can make it work is changing is by changing our um, accounting rules. Uh, hmm. And we're not going to change our accounting rules because you know, they have the rules. Um, and, and so people wouldn't make the, the purchase. So he wrote this book to really to explain the accounting rules and the idea of bottlenecks. Um, and it was effectively his big sales pamphlet for his software. Uh, and still at this stage, it wasn't known as the theory of constraints. It was a software um, package that people were purchasing. And there was a, you know, this, this big uh, novel that, that, that sold it. And then over time, um, what happened is that people read the book. They didn't buy the software and they um, got the idea of, uh, they, they got enough from the book that they could implement it without having to buy the, the, the software. And his company um, went kind of a bit kaput, really. So he yeah. went off into consulting. And then he, being a scientist, he gave it this name theory of, of constraints, you know, saying this is the theory that, you know, like the theory of relativity, et cetera. Um, as a scientist, I've come up with this theory of how to run things. And to get to your question, the core idea of it is that in any system, there's one point which is the weakest link. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be the bottleneck in a factory. It would be the slowest car in a um uh, going up a, a mountain, um, it would um, sometimes, it, it might be in a city, uh, if you look at a, a city and look around, uh, quite often from one point of view, it's the amount of actual uh, land that you have available um, becomes the bottleneck for, for, for growth. Um, yep. In, in terms of your travel times into work, if you look at your city, you, you'll have, um, you know, within a city, uh, miles and miles and miles of, of road laid out there, but there'll probably be only two, three, four, five points uh, in a big city which actually control the entire flow uh, um, of, of the whole city. Um, and everyone right. where they live, they can look and go, oh, I know, it's the bridge, you know, or yeah. or whatever it is where you, you, you live. Um, and so it's that idea that in any system, there's one point uh, which is the slowest, the, the, the weakest link. And if you can find that, then you can manage your whole um system 
So again, now I, it's gone. It went um, in, in, in theory constraints land. It, you know, it didn't have a name. It was just this idea. There's a bottleneck in your factory. It went out and it became the theory of constraints. So it became this big bottle um, body of knowledge around this idea of this one uh, thing. You've got to focus on the, the find the weakest link, um, and then and then manage it. And then what, what I've tried to do with um, my book is just just take that uh, with the, the the bottleneck rules is just to take that bottleneck idea and expand it. But there's this huge body of knowledge that is worthy of being called a theory of something, um, but it can be a bit daunting. So for practical people, it's um, just look around and find the weakest link. Sure. Yeah. No. I think and you know with with the folks you know a lot of the folks who are listening are you know construction minded or design, and I think a lot of it now you know in lean construction in the movement is, you know, they're, they're, we're taught about basically, you know, a law of bottlenecks, right? Is that you mm. can't move any faster than that slowest piece, right? Yes. That slowest step, whatever it is in the process. And I think, um, you know, this, this expands on it more, right? It, it kind of gets to, you know, kind of the focus formula, how you find it, how you can go and optimize it and, and bring it forward. Um, so, Particularly like with that focus formula, can you give a little bit of background on what particularly that focus formula is? Okay, yeah. So if if you look at the idea of TOC, is is the core idea of it is focus. You know, finding yep. the weakest link. Okay, so um, Ellie Goldrat had a he called it the five focusing steps, and there was there were mm -hmm. five steps, and there there were two quite distinct understandings of, of what his five steps actually mean in, in, in the real world out, out there um, existing. So it's it's so, and it's a bit confusing and it uses words that um, aren't particularly memorable and they also, uh, actually like the, one of the words in the five, in his five steps is exploit, which if, if you look in the dictionary, um, it has a positive and a negative meaning, um, but I didn't know it had a positive meaning until I looked in the dictionary. Um, right. you know, it means to make the most of. So in his formula, you would find the bottleneck, identify what he would say, identify it, and then you would exploit it. You'd make the most of it. Um, uh, of course, that word has lots of connotations that we don't like. Uh, so I looked at that and I and and I, when I taught this stuff at business school, um, what what I would find is that the students would always take his words and they would get them around backwards because they would they just weren't words that stuck, stuck in people's heads. So I was wandering along, going, I want to simplify this stuff. And then I looked at the, I thought there's five steps, and then there's, what's the word? Because I wanted it to do what's called a backronym, um, okay. uh, which is like an acronym, but you start with the word and work backwards. Uh, and I thought, okay. I thought and thought, and I tried to come up with a word. What would to describe uh, the theory constraints idea? Focus, focus. And that happens conveniently to have five uh, uh, letters in them. So yep. you're F-O-C-U-S. So, okay, find is the first one, find. Um, you, you want, you, well, it's all about finding the bottleneck, right? So F, um, yep. step one, find, okay, good. O, optimize, it's like make the most of. Um, you want to look at the bottleneck uh, and you just want to be very blinkered view of it, look at the bottleneck and go, um, now that we've found this one area of this whole system that we um, want to manage, we've never looked at it really intensely before. Let's look at it and see how we can optimize it. Um, and, and that's a really nice way of thinking. Now, there happen to be three C's, um, but the one that, if you're going to choose one of them, you would probably have collaborate. Um, mm -hmm. And what it's saying is, um, so the three C's are coordinate, collaborate, and curate. And, and what you're saying is, hey, look, we found the bottleneck. Um, there's a whole lot of other things in this system, 
that we need to manage um, and we have to basically get the non-bottleneck pieces collaborating uh, with the, the bottleneck. So, so okay, so, so um, uh, if you look at that, there'll be coordination. Uh, how can we coordinate this better? So that the bottleneck um, uh, gets more. So, so what say in, in your system the, the bottleneck wasn't a morning person, um, mm -hmm. and they were an afternoon person. Uh, you might go, why don't we just jiggle everyone else's schedule around, uh, and and we'll try and get the hardest work that they have to do. We'll coordinate the work so that it hits them when they've got the energy um, in, in the afternoon. I mean that that's a silly little thing. Um, sure. But it, it, could make a big difference and and the beauty of it is once you found your bottleneck if you can improve the bottleneck's capacity or, or throughput by 10 percent your entire system goes up by 10 percent right. a, a lovely example is our school and i'm pointing just behind me here i know people can't see it our kids uh their high school um on a rainy day all of the the parents uh, would arrive at the end of school uh, to pick up their kids. Um, yep. And on Sunday days, they tend to walk home. Um, and so what, what they found is that it could, um, with all of these cars suddenly emerge, um, arriving at the same time out the school, it would block off that road outside the school, which would then lead to a build-up of traffic, which would block off the, the traffic around the, the whole area. And our entire uh, town here of maybe 20,000 people um, would, would suddenly just, for that half hour, go, Ugh! and it would just slow down. Yeah. So um, they go, well, the, the bottleneck in that case is this small bit of um, uh, you know, traffic, you know, small bit of road outside the school. So, so they, they just did put a coordination solution in. On rainy days, they um, send out a note uh, to the parents on saying, it's a rainy day, so years whatever to whatever, um, we'll have a short lunch today, um, and they'll leave half an hour early. Um, and the other ones, so what it did is it halved, it spread, the, doubled the time effectively that that mm -hmm. stretch of traffic could be used and it got rid of the bottlenecks throughout the, you know, the town, which yeah. is just such a simple little, so, that, so let's see, coordinate. Collaborate is just saying, well, hey, look, um, we've got all these non-bottlenecks, how can they help? How can they help the bottleneck? And sometimes they, you can offload stuff from the bottleneck. Uh, sometimes um, there's just so many ways uh, that, that, that that can help. And normally what, what, what's happened um, is that the system, when it's working and it's under pressure and you can't keep up, everyone hunkers down and focuses on, the, on their own bit. When you suddenly mm -hmm. go slow down and go, ha, there's a bottleneck. And the other ones you've got to go, you guys have got to slow down a little bit. Now, how can you help the bottleneck? And often there's bits that will get offloaded. Um, there, there's just bits, uh, hey, I do that, that there. Um, I won't be as good as you at that, but, but I could prep that for you. Um, yeah. There's all sorts of things that, the, that when you work as a system, um, that you can work together. And so collaborate is really important. Curate, if you think of a museum that has a curator, uh, the curator's job or part of the job is to go, we actually have a very limited amount of public display space, so we're going to curate it. We're going to go and look at all of the stuff that we could put out there and carefully look at what we put there. So if you think in terms of a bottleneck, wherever your bottleneck might be, um, you might look and go, ah, okay. Um, so we would actually prefer to look at the work that we pass through and, and, and as a business that we take on, uh, given um, what our our, um, our our bottleneck is. So this one's sometimes a little bit hard for people to, to understand, but it, 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 like a lovely little example is if you go to a restaurant uh, and they have one dish which requires the head chef to be busy for 30 minutes, um, yeah. 
and they're really, really, really busy. Um, and they have a lot of other ones that that can be done by a whole bunch of other people, and the, the head chef only has to do a little bit of work with them. Then you probably um, uh, maybe curate your menu by putting the price up a, a, a lot for that one that takes a lot of effort to discourage people from doing it. You might take it off the menu. Uh, you might encourage the waitresses and the waiters to um, to promote other stuff that requires less effort. So you, mm -hmm. you can look at the work that's coming in and you can curate it very, very carefully. For people who are old enough to remember MASH, the TV show, um, sure. when the helicopters fly in uh, and they land and they do triage, that's a form of curation uh, as well. Gotcha, so, okay. okay. Yep. If I just roll that back, we've got find, optimize, coordinate, collaborate and curate, the three C's. And then the U is to upgrade. And, and so I work with a, uh, a government department here in New Zealand when I moved back here a few years ago, and they were rolling out new PCs to um, all of their branches. So there's about 3,000 people around the country who are working in branches, helping uh, people get government services, and the PCs, um, the computers in the, in the branches were slowing everyone down. So initially they upgraded the memory of them, so U for upgrade, uh, and that because that was a bottleneck for um, their throughput and then eventually they actually upgraded the entire PC and replaced them with new, newer faster ones and double monitors and stuff. So it's, the thing sure. about upgrade is it requires you to spend money um, usually, not, not, not always, but um, sure. it's like we, we just basically go buy more capacity of, of the bottleneck um, and it, it's usually, it's, it, it, the way we're wired, we, we like to chuck money at things quickly. Um, yeah. Leaving it as the fourth step uh, is is kind, it's kind of handy because it, it just gives you a little bit of time to do a wee bit of thinking and come up with a more elegant solution to start with. And then the S is basically saying, hey, look, the bottleneck is going to move. And if you want to be um, sensible about this, you want to choose where you want it to move to. Or you may even want to deliberately stack capacity up and move it to a strategic place. Mm -hmm. So the S stands for start again strategically. Uh, and, and that's it. So it's, it's, it could be viewed as a loop, um, but really what it is, I, I think of it as, as a bunch of prompts um, that help you think about uh, things. And, and I use a different process with it, um, which is, uh, and I, I, when I use it in practice, I don't run through it like slavishly, F-O-C-C-C-U-S, and, and then um, come up with a bunch of ideas. I do it intuitively and then bounce off people's intuition and then sort of match them up with those. And it's a really good way of um, just, just in a very short amount of time, getting your productivity as a team um, uh, shooting up um, enormously just for the sake of thinking. Yeah, and I think that that's why it, it spoke so much to me and I think it's gonna speak so much to our listeners because I think, you know, with construction and design, we're always on a team. You know, there, there's the individual stuff that you're doing. Yes, you know, you're you're the one hammering something in or you're the one screwing something in, but you're reliant on the rest of the trades and the rest of the people who are there building this building to get everything as a whole. And so there's all these steps and there's everything else as a team you're you're reliant on to get a building in place. And I think, you know, having a you know, a method to go through and under, well, first off, understand that there's bottlenecks and you have to, you know, you have to find the bottleneck, but then a way to kind of systematically walk through, collaborate, which I think is a big, big piece that, you know, we're, we talk about a lot in the lean construction space and kind of solve it. And then the upgrade piece, I think it is great too, because I think so much about it is, 
you know, a, a common thing that happens on a job site quite a bit is, okay, we're we're behind a few days, we need to make up some time. Okay, I'm gonna take whatever trade, right? The superintendent makes a, a choice to say, I'm gonna take the trade. You guys come in and just go, right? But mm -hmm. without really doing a whole lot of figuring out, is it actually going to do anything? And the next thing you know, they yes. sped up the framer. They have to stop anyways, which now there's all the room, which might lead to another problem, right? And so there, there's that whole piece of it. And I think that this is a way that you can kind of really systematically look at what's going on as a team decide, okay, this is the bottleneck. What are we going to do to help speed it up? Because it's going to get all of us out of here, out the door sooner, right? Yeah. There's two, two things that are really interesting there is that um, if, if you go look at productivity books on Amazon, um, mm -hmm. find that almost all of them are about individual productivity. Yeah. Uh, um, but what we're talking about, team productivity, no matter how big your team is, but once you get more than one, um, you, you're, you're, the productivity of the team um, doesn't go up by making everyone more productive um, and by keeping everyone more busy, and that, that's, it's, which is totally counterintuitive. Uh, and so that's, that's the first thing. We actually get more done by slowing down and going, ah, let's look at our team. And, and you know, um, I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of systems thinking. Um, right. I, I think there should be a, um, a, 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 a there's a, a friend of systems thinking, which is system seeing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and if you can look at your system, uh, and suddenly you can see it and, and, and look at it and go, now where's the one spot here um, that, that, that I need to focus on, um, on making sure that they're more productive and that the whole system um, works so that it coordinates well with them. Um, it, 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 sorry, uh, it, that actually has to be um, a deliberate act where you slow down and you look at your system and think of it as a whole. The, the, and the, the, the counterintuitive, um, no, the, the intuitive thing is to make everyone go faster or to chuck right. money at it and to have everyone mm -hmm. busy. The, the counterintuitive thing is to slow down and to think and then be very laser focused. You know, that's the F for find, find the bottleneck and then um, work on that. And, and it really does people's heads in, you know, it hurts um, because it fights what our instincts are. Um, I, I remember years and years and years ago, I, um, I tried to learn to fly gliders. Uh, and there's okay. a guy sitting in the back of the glider and he says, right, now we're going to practice stalling. And I didn't know what the, that was. He says, just pull, um, you know, I'm sitting in front of him in this trainer glider. He says, pull the stick back. So I pull it back and um, and he says, and as we do this, suddenly um, the plane will stop flying and it will just um, drop. Uh, <laughs> and then when it does that, uh, your job is to let go of the stick. Uh, and you go, okay. And suddenly it does that. Boom. It just stops flying and it just starts falling out of the air. And, and I'm busy trying to do the, the intuitive thing, yeah. which is to pull back on the stick to make it go flying up, which is how it worked until now. And yeah. I actually had to do the unintuitive thing, the counterintuitive thing, and, and let go of the stick. Um, and then physics sorted the rest of it out for me. And, and it's like that when you do this stuff with lean and, um, and theory constraints and systems thinking and all that. A, a lot of it is asking us to do counterintuitive things um because the individual productivity is different to team productivity is different to commercial productivity um yeah. and and when you're looking at those three levels that they you, you have to have different mindsets and that's why you have to slow down and think and that's why we have to manage things so I'm, I'm getting all excited and drawing pictures in the air here 
Uh, no, 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 it's fine. It, it's, I love it because I think it does it does all kind of come back to, you know, a lot of the, we'll say the heartache that I think we talk about a lot in the construction and design industry is because I think for so long, construction specifically has been driven on the individual productivity and the, yes. you know, you know, partially because of how contracts and things are structured with the subcontractor, kind of a waterfall type of mentality. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a push it all onto you. You're my subcontractor. You need to go faster. You need to go faster. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, and it is, it's counterintuitive to stop and say, no, like, let's take a look at it as a whole. Um, but to your point that you were talking about there, the, the productivity at the different levels, I think is starting to come into play a little bit more now as people are starting to take a little bit of a stop, um, you know, from, because of a lot of different factors out there, but people are definitely starting to take a look at that. And I think it's, it's helped our industry get to where we are now with some of the, we'll say the, the small productivity gains in, you know, little markets here and there and, you know, different companies. Um, but I mean, as a whole, I think this is kind of where, you know, the, the bigger idea for me is coming to fruition mm -hmm. is that like, we need everyone to kind of realize this, right. Is we need everyone to kind of stop and pull back because I think it's, it's great when some of us are doing it, you know what I mean? But it's kind of one of those things where you got to stop the momentum a little bit too. Yeah, and and I suspect in your industry, my, my brother's a builder, so I know a little bit about, um, but I own a hammer and, and basically that's my toolkit and I try and use it for everything. But sure. what I'm actually trying to do is use my brother instead. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's far better. Yeah. Uh, but if I understand it, you, your industry, there's a, um, you have a lot of companies if you take that idea of individual um, productivity, team productivity, commercial, yeah. you kind of have another layer on there, um, uh, which is that you have a lot of moving pieces uh, and you actually need to manage it almost as an industry uh, um, mm -hmm. rather than as, as individuals, or at least as a, I'm not quite sure, you know, you've got a big company here, you're coordinating a lot of moving pieces and a lot of teams, uh, and you have to look at it at a much, much bigger level there. And when you look at, 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 if you look at it just from one small company's point of view that does the building, um, that they're affected by all of the different pieces that are around them. So if my brother's a builder and he goes, I oh, know I'm waiting for the guy to come in to do the, uh, the, 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 the foundations. Yeah. Um, on the house, um, and he's got very little control over that. But when you look it up at, at, at a level above that, you've got much more of a, a factory going on, um, mm -hmm. uh, much more um, where you've got all of the moving pieces that are required uh, together. Um, and so you have to look at it at that level, and then you can look at it and go, okay, um, uh, we're trying to build, let's say it's a bunch of houses, um, we, we've got all of these things here, you know, we've got, we've got, we've sold the land, da, 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 da. What, what's the one resource, um, what's the one resource type that we are actually missing? Uh, and then you want to, what you want to do is you want to figure out that what, what it is, you want to decide, is that actually um, where we should be, should, should our whole industry basically, our whole business here, um, and all of these sub-businesses, should they be running at the speed of that particular resource? And if it is, you mm -hmm. go, okay, good. And then what you do is you stagger everything around them, which means that you need to look after them. You need to um, make sure that everyone else has spare capacity around them. Um, yeah. um, but from what I understand, you, your industry doesn't tend to do that. It tries to keep everyone busy. Um, yes. yeah. And if it does, that means everyone's actually busy, but everything's going slower. It's, um, it's, it's diluted and your yeah. cash flows are diluted. Um, and so, yeah, you, you might have um, individual 
productivity or even team productivity. Uh, but when you lifted up that lever and you're all working, um, your, 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 your builds are taking uh, a lot, lot longer to get cash in the door because everyone's diluted. At least that's the, the impression I get from um, looking you know, locally where I live. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that it's pretty much the state across the board, you know what I mean, of, of how things are. I think, like I said, there's pockets here and there that are trying to do things to optimize a little bit better for the whole, but yeah, I think it's a good assessment of where it is as as an industry, because I think, you know, the, the thing that I've definitely started to think about much more and, and realize is, you know, as I've been introduced to systems thinking and in general and, you know, TOC and all of this stuff is that, they're different industries. There's different things we're doing, mm. but they're actually not that much different. You know what I mean? When you no. when you break it down to the processes and the different elements yeah. of things and everything, you know. And so, um, it is. It it's quite interesting that you know we're, you know, a lot of times people will hear of you know lean or anything like this and think, oh well, that's it, it's in a factory. We're not in a factory. It's like, yes, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like if you kind of take the big picture of it and try to take the the principle behind it, yeah. you know. You can apply it a little you bit. Know when you pop into Excel, yeah, you pop into Excel and you copy something. All Word does the same, and then you get the you pop in somewhere else, a uh, different document, uh, and it's got the paste option, and you can um, paste. Uh, it's got two options: one to keep source formatting, yep. and one to um, adopt the the destination form formatting. Um, right. Because it's always annoying when you paste it and it's it's copied all, all of the fonts from the original document, but you, obviously you wanted this one to to change it. Um, and but then sometimes you know that the, the key is with the principles and the practices that you want to you copy them, but then you paste them with destination formatting. So in other words, you paste them to suit the destination that they're going to use them in. And, and if you don't do that, you end up going, "Well, oh, it doesn't work very well, does it?" Yeah. Um, and and it's so it's so easy to 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 start picking up these new exciting things. And go, oh yeah, these guys over there all into the new stuff. The old stuff works. The new stuff doesn't work. But it's because the new stuff hasn't been applied with thought. So you need to adopt and and then adapt at the same time usually. Mm -hmm. And that requires actually understanding what you're adopting, being cautious about it. And then when you adapt it, you've got to adapt it to the situation. Uh, so a lot of people just they you know they just copy paste without thinking. Um, yeah. uh, and it does take a little bit longer to copy and then paste with um, the the destination formatting to, and, and then to a, a, adapt it, uh, and then it works better. So the, the, one of the recurring things that, um, that if there's if there's a if there's a Darth Vader out there, um, and we were all the good guys, the Darth Vader is um, trying to go faster um, by going faster. Yeah. Um, the, 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 you've got to slow down to go faster. You, you've got, got to slow down and then you've got to think uh, and then you've got to, um, and, 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 and then you'll go faster. Uh, but if you don't yeah. put that thinking, slowing down and thinking, it's just so easy. I, I suppose that, that's why um, a lot of the people you work with will be consultants and they'll be going nodding, going, yeah, 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 yeah. If only you know everyone um, uh, would actually just let us just go a little bit slower. Uh, we would actually give them better results, but um, it, it's it's hard. It's counterintuitive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh -huh. I think that that's it's definitely, you know, we were talking a little bit uh, before this too. Is the, you know, there's there's a lot bigger push now um, to get the men and women who aren't just the consultants or the managers to actually start to mm -hmm. understand these concepts and principles a little bit more because when you do it, it 
kind of becomes a no-brainer of, well, of course I want to do things better, right? And I want to be more efficient for myself. And if that ends up, you know, translating to my team is, which translates into the company, right? And everything kind of spirals into it's all for the better and everything's going, you know, it, it, it it's kind of like, a, well, why wouldn't you want to do that, right? But I think the the problem is, is we have such a culture where we don't involve everybody, in the the learning and the improvement of it and it's always looked at as you know the manager type of a position that has to do the improvement um but you know that that's part of where the the lean construction community has has made a big push is to try to get the inclusion of everybody yeah hey, can i just add, add in here for everyone that's yeah. listening and we so they know we did discuss this beforehand <laughs> yeah oh, um, if anyone would like a copy of the bottleneck rules for free um they can just uh, contact me on LinkedIn and, and I'll send you uh, a, a link uh, to it. I, I give it away free. It's, it's far better for my business if I'm totally um, honest about it, that lots and lots of people um, read it. That said, you'll read it, you'll probably be able to uh, apply it, uh, you'll just look at your workplace differently. Um, and it's just really, 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 really helpful. So um, I'm being both altruistic and, and selfish there at the same time. Uh, it's good for everyone. And, and I just thought that, um, that this is something that, that surprised me. Uh, it, it, on audible.com, um, one of the very first reviews that came out for the audiobook, the, the bottleneck reviews, was actually from a, um, a construction company, Bauer Construction. Uh, I have Googled them. They have really nice looking products. I've, I don't know any more than that. Um, and, and this is, I think, this, this is why people, to, to bounce off your point there, that it's about knowing, um, ha, ha, being able to see your whole system. Um, it, it's important that the people inside the system see enough of it to know that, um, that there's some counterintuitive stuff. And so this is what the guy, or late, uh, man, lady, I, I don't know, um, uh, he or she wrote uh, a thorough introduction to TSE. This is a great short introduction to the theory constraints. It is something I can use with my team to start a strategic look, strategic look at our business as a whole instead of just the sum of its parts. So um, track me down, Clark Ching on LinkedIn, and you can give this, um, share it out with your um, uh, with, with, with your team. And, and then just set up a little group just to, to, to discuss the, the ideas um, uh, in your business. Uh, yeah. And you will just look and see, wow, okay. Um, everyone will within an, you know, within an hour will, will see, their, um, see their world differently. And, and the, the stuff that's in the book is, you know, I've, I've got lots of examples in there from different, different areas, um, but it, it applies to small businesses, it applies to big businesses, uh, it applies to hospitals, it applies to government departments, uh, it, it, it just apply, it applies to your personal life, it, um, uh, they're really generic, simple principles, and it just puts the ideas across. So if, if you want a copy of it, just just, just have a, a look at it. it, it I, I, it's, it's really weird to say nice things about your own book, but there's lots of nice reviews there where people have enjoyed it and, you know, and, and learn, and they just get to see the world a little differently, and they get to then use that that new seeing um, to make better decisions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I fully recommend everyone reach out to Clark and get a copy of it. And like you said, just read it. It helps you see things differently. Um, and I think that's, it does it, it kind of opens you up a little bit. And I think you have it in there at some point that 
once you actually start to be able to see bottlenecks, you can't stop. Uh, oh, <laughs> you mean so it's like everything that happens, and you know, I, I, there, there's the example in there of the airport, and I think everyone's mm. been through that before, right? And it's so, it is, uh, it, it's a very relatable piece as well, I think, which is very nice and why it comes across and it's effective. Um, you know, so don't want to keep too, things too too long here. Um, obviously, you know, you're you're starting your day over there, whereas it's it's not even the start of my week yet. Uh, <laughs> but so to wrap things up is one thing I, I like to do with everyone here too is so we've talked about a lot here, the intro to theory constraints, the focus formula, everything else. Is there a piece or two of advice that you could give to folks out there, whether it's they're going to look into, you know, TOC to get started or just in general that you would want to leave people with as we as we come away and kind of close out our episode here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um so this is nothing to do with theory constraints, but it's probably the best advice that I have read, and I um, wish everyone read it. And, I, and I'm not going to better quote it verbatim, uh, but it was um, I learned it from a course that Cal Newport did, the guy that wrote the Deep Work uh, book. And I did a course because about five or six years ago, six years ago now, um, I decided I wanted to move back from living in the UK and Ireland for 20 years. I wanted to move back to New Zealand, uh, you know, to be closer to my family. Yep. And um, he did a course on, it was about changing careers and stuff like that. And it was kind of similar to that. So I did the, the first bit of the course. And the, the, the advice he had was absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, and it made a huge difference to my move back, but it applies to everyone at any age. Um, and what he said is that most people choose their work, then build their life around it. Some people choose their life and then build their work around it. Now, that one there, when you think about it, um, I what I found is that I got better work results and better life results um, by choosing um, how and where I wanted to live um, yep. and then making my work work for me. Um, and, and, and I'm lucky that I was able, you know, thanks to the internet and then um, more, more lately um, COVID, for instance, yep. when I moved back, I moved back to this small town, uh, smallish town, um, you know, uh, where we have beaches and, and all that, but no work for people like me because I'm not in the city. But um, as it turned out, I said, that's where I wanted to start. And then my question was, what's stopping me um, having that life? Um, and thankfully, the internet has made that a lot easier. And as you know, us, you and I are face to face yeah. uh, with no lag and wonderful video and all that kind of stuff. Uh, these days, COVID actually bizarrely um, helped so that I can you now work with people who, you know, aren't locally. But if I had moved um, back to New Zealand and decided to start my work and then built my life around it, I would have ended up with something entirely different. So if I just yeah. replay it really quickly, most people um, start with um, their work and then build their life around it. Uh, some people, and I think that'd be the clever people, uh, start with their life and then they build their work around it. Um, and it, yeah, I, I guarantee better results by doing that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's actually timely too, you know, with everyone and everything that's going on is, you know, they call it the great resignation. Now people are leaving their jobs yes. and moving and rethinking things. So um, I think that's a very great timely piece of advice as well. So yeah. very much. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. My pleasure. It's been lovely talking to you.
Absolutely. So Clark, thank you so much again for, for jumping on. Um, I think the listeners are going to love this episode and get a lot of real good takeaways from it. Um, you know, as we said, folks, reach out to Clark on LinkedIn, connect, shoot him a message to get a copy of the bottleneck rules. And we'll uh, see you guys next time.